All right, welcome to the latest episode of the Hot Out Hoops podcast. I'm here with my guys Daniel Riccio and Matt Hannafan, and we're going to be. Uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm still kind of uh, processing Game Three between the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, somehow, through all of it all, the Miami Heat are two and one. Th- this was a this was a crazy night. It really was. Um, I want to know what your reactions were. What what's going to happen now moving forward for the Heat? We have so many questions. Uh, we don't know what the injuries to Jimmy Butler and uh, Victor Oladipo uh, are really uh, about. Uh, we really just don't know right now. But for now, uh, let's talk about what we uh, what we observed and moving forward. What's next? Uh, Dan, do you want to take a crack at this? Uh, what what was so different about uh, Game Two and Game Three? What 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 stood out to you? The three point shooting, for sure. Um, we were were definitely hitting our shots last night, and it was a real collective effort. I know, like, Lowry had a few threes, Duncan had threes, Jimmy had threes, Struess was hitting a few threes, it was, uh, Caleb was even hitting some threes, it was a real strong shooting performance overall from the team, and what, what like, I've noticed with this team throughout the year is usually when we shoot that three ball efficiently, we're a much harder team to beat, so we were knocking them down yesterday, and... Duncan Robinson was really an X factor. It, it was it was pretty it was real good to see him, you know, come out and he was he was getting hyped up and it's it's been so long and a lot of struggles for Robinson throughout the year, like just to get to this point. So to see that he's stayed ready, he was preparing for this moment and to see the results, you know, all show on on the floor. It, I was really happy for Duncan Robinson. It, it, it looked like 2020 bubble Duncan Robinson last night, really. And if we could get something like that from him, you know, consistently, now that, like, we are, we are having some injuries and we're going to need guys to step up like him, that, that could be huge. What, moving past the numbers, though, Dan, what, what, why did the Heat sh- shoot so much better? Were they just get, uh, moving the ball better? Uh, were they just, you know, wh- what can be done to help facilitate big games from from players like Duncan uh, or even like a Max Struess? Like, what? How can the Heat do that? Well, yeah, it was the the facilitating was pretty elite. I mean, everyone was you know getting to their spots and everybody was finding those spots for those people, and the ball was moving pretty well. So. Like I said, this was a real collective group effort from the three-point shooting last night. It wasn't, you know, just one guy that was knocking them down. It was everybody was hitting them at once. And it's really hard for opposing teams to beat us when not just one or two guys are hitting from three for, for the Heat, but the entire team as a group. So... I would say that because of them hitting the shots, it has to be, you know, the ball movement and finding the open man, getting good looks. And they were taking good shots and they were there was good results. So usually that's going to happen if you're finding someone for a high percentage shot and, you know, it's right in their wheelhouse. I mean, Duncan was getting like nice pocket passes right into the shooter's pocket. He wasn't even really having, you know, set his form or feet that much. He was, I saw multiple passes where it was, you know, right here and he just had to shoot it and not even really set his, set his form with his arms or his feet. He was in real good position to catch it and shoot it. And that's, you know, from the passes. Those are those pocket passes right in the shooter's pocket. And for a shooter like Duncan, getting pa- getting nice passes like that, getting good looks and finding that open man, he he took advantage of, of the of the good looks. Right, right. And I, and I think Bam also, yeah, had a, had a lot to do with helping out with that as well, helping him get good looks to the basket. Um, Matt, the offense – it's for some reason it's humming. It's it's one of the best, if not the best, in the playoffs so far. Uh, but the defense as well, they were able to t- 
take out uh baby basically not not let Portis play at all during the game. Uh Lopez, uh, I don't know if maybe Kevin Love uh starting had something to do with it and maybe Max not covering him as much. Maybe that's something to do with uh Brooke uh, also maybe just six points for the game. Um what what did he do so effectively to, to take the Bucks out of this? Because really the the uh they had them uh, maybe like a double digit lead throughout most of the game. Well, I mean, Miami had 28 deflections and 18 and forced 18 turnovers. Um, and so like things were practically everywhere in the passing lanes or whatnot, but it felt like Miami was also very connected last night. I mean, in the, in the middle two quarters, it got a little bit leaky with like their dribble penetration. Like Drew was getting to the bucket. Chris was getting to his spots relatively easily. Um, and they were mm-hmm. attacking Strews. They were attacking Kevin Love in the pick and roll a little bit. Um, and there was even a couple of times where they went at Caleb and Oladipo, which is like you're, you're watching. You're just like, all right, this is a little bit of a weird move, like weird process to go after at least those two guys. But it felt like for the most part, Miami was containing dribble penetration. Um, there was also a few times in the fourth quarter, especially when um, they were getting some second chance looks, um, especially from beyond the arc, which were open looks. And it's like they were shots. But I think from an overall effort, Miami was much more connected on the defensive end of the floor, and that's important because it was a much better. It was a, they were they were much more connected than than they were in game two, and even at points in game one, um, it just felt like they weren't they weren't allowing Milwaukee to get to the rim a whole lot. And of course, when you uh, when you're not surrendering as many paint touches, or at least it felt like as many paint touches, um, you're, you're going to normally generate good results. Um, from that and I thought that was important because I mean Miami there's also times too where uh, Miami was getting in transition and when you play good defense as I've I've said plenty of times before it fuels good offense especially when you're able to get a three on one two on one threes on twos whatever the case is Um, but it felt like Miami at least three in the first part of the second and then the fourth quarter they were keeping Milwaukee out of the paint and it's like they were sending doubles they were sending they they were they were helping when they needed to help. I mean, I know there was a couple of times where they they were forcing. It was a little bit of it was a little bit late, um, but again, I think for the most part, the rotations were pretty clean. Um, just the defense in general, they, they were using like old. Their old depot had a possession when he came in at the end of the first quarter when I think Drew attacked him, but Old Depot was like Old Depot was pressuring him like beyond half court. Um, he flipped his hips well, used his good foot speed, and really fu- kind of funneled Drew into Bam. And of course, when Bam's at the rim, or at least near the rim, he's usually a fairly good rim protector, even though he's six nine. Um, and it forced a very bad, ill-advised shot. And it's just like when you're able to kind of funnel them into the shots that you want them to take. Like I know Brooke Lopez had multiple floaters, and it's just like that's a good shot diet, at least just from the math. That you're able, if you're able to force Brooke Lopez to take multiple floaters in a game, you're doing something well. I mean, he also had a couple of tough like shots. I mean, of course, Chris throughout the game hit big shots. I remember there was one, I think it was either in the second or the third quarter where Caleb was playing good defense on him. Um, the, he switched on to him. I think Chris passed it away, got the ball back, and hit a tough fadeaway three. And it's just like, well, that's just good defense. There's nothing much you can do about that. But I think Miami's process overall, just funneling the shots. Staying in front, say, sending doubles when you need when you need to, and then helping in the in the correct spots. And of course, obviously, again, as I prefaced this by just getting your hands in the passing lanes and getting as many deflections as possible. When you generate twenty eight deflections and force eighteen turnovers, you're likely going to win the basketball game. That's what Miami did in Game Three. Yeah, it was, and and, and yeah, yeah, the Bucks, sure. um, it, it wasn't like a blowout like Game Two was. You know, the Heat really did have to respond to these like mini runs that the Bucks had, and, and they did it consistently. And different players throughout the game uh, stepped up, and they ha- each had their own little moments too, which was very encouraging. Uh, especially somebody like Kyle Lowry, like, the Heat need game big games for him to win. Uh, it's just, it's almost as simple as that, but really. Whatever Heat fan is waiting for right now is uh, injury report. Um, it looks like, uh, according to Ira Winderman, we won't know the results of the MRI to, to Oladipo until later on today. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm worried. Those are the kind of injuries. When I saw it in real time, I, I, I thought he had slipped. 
I I was in denial. I thought, mm, okay, maybe, you know, it, it it's not too bad. But you could see it in the expression in his face. You could see it with his teammates. Um, I mean, maybe maybe he hyperextended it. It maybe, totally, but it, it, it looked like something totally, got blown yeah, I, I was just gonna say that it, it literally looked like his knee gave out on him. Like it, yeah, it looked no, like the knee. Yeah. Right know, when it's like a non-contact injury like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I, that's I, when it's the worst. I also yeah. thought he. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, sir. I also thought he. Sl- I also like thought he slipped, but then you, right. when you look at the replay, mm-hmm. it was planting on the jump, and it's like he slipped on the landing, but. It, he planned and like planted, so when so, again when something like that happens it's like like i knew right away that it was just like yeah he probably tore a ligament in his knee like it looked yeah. eerily similar to not eerily similar but it looked somewhat similar to what happened uh two seasons ago against the lakers right. in that game where it was a non-contact injury yeah. going up for some yeah. at the rim and yeah. i mean of course those were his, those injuries were his right knee this one was his left, but regardless, it's just like after a fun 44 minutes or however long it was, mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, my goodness. Like this is – I mean, especially for Victor Oladipo of all players, like that it's just like – it's it's like the worst possible thing imaginable yeah. to watch. And it's just like this – like it almost felt like after the game, it was just like this, this is like the most upsetting game three win of all time, like right like, to be up two yeah. one against the number one like, seed, um, yeah, right, yeah. It's 100%. just like uh, this. This sucks, um, and you I can mean, see it in his face too. You, you mm, right, yeah, when he you landed, just, you immediately got yeah. uh, look at his reaction and his face, and just hold, when he was holding his knee and just you know that blank expression. It's as if like, oh yeah, like. I've felt like this before. I've felt this pain. Yes. Right. Yeah, he really looked rough. over at the bench. He was just like, no. Like, guys, I, I can't. Can't yeah, do this. And I don't know what he told. Uh, I don't know what he told Duncan when Duncan walked, but he said something to Duncan, and Duncan just immediately dropped his head down, like, in despair. Like, he... He might have said like he's probably felt, just like I felt something pop. Yeah, yeah like that's what I was thinking. Like he, he yeah. told him like, "Oh, yeah, that's it. Like I'm done." Like, yeah, he might have yeah. felt a pop. Uh, exactly. He he would know what it would something like that would feel like. Um, yeah, and, and the timing is, yeah. is 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 the worst because Tyler was out, and this really was his moment to. Recover from a really yeah, inconsistent exactly. regular season. Exactly. Uh, Eric didn't really have faith in him, and even when even when Tyler uh, was injured, he didn't even play that game. I, I believe. Um, so this was really was his time to to shine, to, a moment to take advantage of the opportunity at yeah. hand. Um, what is this playoff rotation going to be like? Because Jimmy also landed really hard. It, it appears to not be uh, too bad of a, an injury, but uh, now they're playing every other game. So uh, that's already two players now that mm. that are. It, it, I mean, okay, let's let's be realistic. I, I really don't think Victor's playing next game. So it, you're, that's leaving you with with really Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry as being really the only playmaker, ball handler kind of players left in this rotation. Uh, what what is Spolster do right now? With with Oladipo, he he's and that looks like a season-ending injury, like right off the bat. Um, with Jimmy Butler, he was ready to come back last night had it not been a blowout. So if it was you know a closer game and it wasn't a twenty-point lead or whatever, he it, he was ready to come back into the game, which was reported on. Uh, on ESPN. So I'm assuming that Jimmy Butler's injury, like maybe he's a little banged up and it could be a small nagging injury, but for the most part, I don't think he's going to miss any time from the injury just because if he was ready to come back into the game last night, I'm, I'm sure he'd be ready to go the next game after, you know, a day's day or two of rest and, 
you know, maybe taking that ice bath or whatever and, you know, stretching it out and just preparing for the next game. I, if he was going to come back last night, I feel like he should be fun. For the bench rotation with Noel Adipo, you're gonna we're gonna see a lot more at Duncan, a hundred percent. Yeah, I could the, see them. He almost have no choice. That yeah. group. Yeah. yeah, well, that that is true. But um, yeah, I'm just looking at the box score from yesterday. I mean, we saw some Haywood Highsmith minutes. Maybe he can sneak into getting some spot minutes in the rotation throughout this playoff run, but mostly it's going to look like the same starting five as last night, you know, going Gabe, Struess, Jimmy, K-Love, and Bam, which I, I actually thought was the best decision that Spolster could have done. And we know Spolster historically for making those playoff adjustments, and he adjusted to the size of the Bucks by inserting Kevin Love into that starting lineup. I thought that was a great move. But – to, to keep going from where where I started, um, the the bench is probably looking at Lowry, Caleb, Duncan, maybe some minutes from Zeller if if you know we need it. But right. for the most Foul part, trouble. I can see us you know going eight to nine now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can can it was, it was really nice though seeing Kevin Love in the lineup. Yeah, definitely, definitely gives you something. Uh, Matt, let's say if Jimmy is maybe he's he can play, but maybe he's a little banged up. Can can Bam be the leader of the team if Jimmy isn't hundred percent? Well, if they can get him in his spots, yeah. I mean, right. we've seen plenty of times throughout the second half of the season where, um, I mean, yeah, teams are going to send second and third defenders at BAM, especially if he's rolling down the middle of the floor. Um, I'd like to see they're, them run more yeah. just empty corner pick and rolls and stuff to try to eliminate that help as well as use him as a hub in either the elbow or the mid to high post or whatever, um, just in case of guys like Duncan are like running off. I mean, and that, that was the thing with Duncan last night. I mean, just kind of backing off of what Dan said earlier. I mean, Duncan got in rhythm because of the two man game with him and Bam out of bio. That was kind of on display. The handoffs. Like, like, yep. Yeah. Like it was in 2020, like Bam in, or at least Duncan, when he came in, I think midway through the first quarter, one of the first sets they ran from was a, was a dribble handoff. Um, mm-hmm. Bam was able to flip, flip the screen, boom, hits one. And then, gets him on another boom hits too. And then of course, then you see Oladipo find him in transition. Um, he starts to find that rhythm and Duncan, when he's flying off those screens and he's like, again, I've said it before, he's probably Miami's best movement shooter, but the sets that he's been put in these last two seasons have not been, he, he more serious. I mean, it hasn't been coming off the handoff or whatnot. You can make, we can make jokes about him being a dribble handoff merchant all day, but like it was really good last night in that, in that regard. But um, I mean, yeah, I think Bam can, it's just a matter of like, all right, how much help is, how much help is Milwaukee going to send on Bam? If that's the case. I mean, I, Jimmy, remember we, we can't forget Jimmy last year was playing on one knee in game six of the Eastern conference finals and put up 47, nine and eight. Again, not saying he's going to do that, but I'm saying like, he's still, if he's still somewhat healthy, he's going to do everything in his willpower to play this game or at least game four. And I, yeah. and I honestly expect him to play game four. I don't know if the whole report that Spolstra said last night about him being able to come in. I don't know how much of that smoke or not, because it's like, it's easy to say that after you blow him out by 22 points, but right. who knows to say, who's to say if it was actually a six point game with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, that Jimmy Butler would have come back in the game. Mm-hmm. The thrill of the unknown. We will never know what the actual truth is or not, but it's like, I mean, Sprolster might be playing with the media when he says that. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. And thankfully that he took care of this and allowed I'm him guessing, to yeah. Right, right. Like I tweeted something like midway through the fourth last night. Like Miami's goal right now should be having Jimmy yeah. Butler not having to come back and yeah. play the fourth quarter because it's like you don't want it to be, again, a five or six point game or whatever and him having to come back. 
um, if that was actually the case. But um, I mean, if Jimmy, I think Jimmy's still the leader. Like, whether if he's on the floor or not, he's still going to be the leader. It's just a, it's just a matter of what kind of production off the bench you can get, as well as like getting Bam in his spots. Because it's like it feels like more this series than two years ago. Obviously, Bam's obviously been more aggressive. Um, he's less hesitant and he's obviously getting more shots up or at least more like decent looks up. Um, it's just a matter of like, okay, let's say, let's say worst case scenario, Jimmy doesn't play. Okay. Well, how much help is Milwaukee going to send Bam? Are they going to, are they going to throw? I mean, yeah, we, we know they're going to play in a deep drop with Brooke and with Bobby, but what other help are they going to send? Are they going to, double him when he catches it or is he is what's going to actually happen because you know milwaukee is still going to have the hey max truce hey caleb martin hey kyle lowry hey like you guys beat us we don't want bam to beat us but maybe maybe that's not the formula i don't know what bud's head would be at if that was actually the case but like in the off chance that jimmy doesn't play i'm guessing yeah bam would be the leader but I, again i think jimmy likely will play whether he's a hundred percent or not. Um, again, he, it, the report came out last night that he has a bruised glute, a bruised bottom. So maybe, uh, maybe he does play, maybe he doesn't, but I mean, sir, you, I mean, I, I was, I was, uh, before we started recording, I was looking at like the bench last night and it was just like, just, again, individual games plus minus is always faulty. It's always weird. But it's like Caleb Martin was a plus 31 in 33 minutes. Kyle Lowry was a plus 27 in 28 minutes. Duncan Robinson was a plus 24 in 24 minutes. Like, if you're getting that type of production pretty, off the bench. Pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're getting that off the bench, that's all you you're in for. a good, good, good yeah. spot. Like, yeah. Miami last night, just from those three players alone, they had 47 combined points. That's the most... I think that was more bench points than one Milwaukee had last night. And then two, it's more points than both Milwaukee and Miami had in game two. Remember we were talking about you and I, sir, at least after game two, how impactful uh, Milwaukee's bench was. Mm-hmm. Well, those three combined had more bench points than the entire Milwaukee team, I believe, after game two. It was just like, again, if you're getting that type of production off the bench, like, yeah, you want Bam to get 20 to 25 points. He had uh, – he had 12 and 11 last night. He was still impactful in multiple ways, like he always is. But, like, you're in a good spot. Not to kind of go off on a little side tangent, but, like, you're in a good spot when that happens. And, you're, and again, I've, I will say this 17 different times before the top of the hour. You need, it's necessary that Miami needs – or it's necessary for Miami to get that type of secondary production in whatever way possible from multiple players, like Duncan, right. like Kyle and Caleb was phenomenal. I mean, he had oh yeah, uh, double double the bench. He he was balling. Yeah, he had twelve and eleven. Double double. Yep. He was he was phenomenal. Uh, same thing with Kyle Lowry when Miami needed to. I mean, Gabe Vincent did not have a good game last night. Um, it was no. it was a little bit of a shaky Gabe game. He was trying to do too much at the beginning, kind of took himself out of the game, whatnot. I uh, I, I saw that again, and I. I noticed that, and I thought the same exact thing, actually, that he was trying to do a little too much in the beginning. Yeah, and so it's like, and it's like, I get it. You want to step up in a big spot, and it's just like sometimes it's just not your night, and it wasn't Gabe Vincent's night. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, next man up, Kyle Lowry did a phenomenal job. Uh, At least the bench, he did a good job uh, against same thing with Duncan. Same thing with uh, Caleb. When Max Struess goes five of eight from the floor and is giving you some some type of production in twenty three minutes, when Kevin Love at least is making an impact on the boards like he did at the start of the game, like again, you are going to have this even with or without Jimmy. With or without Jimmy, without Tyler, without Vic, you're going to need all of this. So again me rambling on and giving my longest answer possible. (laughs) I I really feel like we should, uh, we should, we should talk about how Spolstra really is elite at making his playoff adjustments though. 
I mean, you come out in game two, we see at points Max Struess getting switched on to Brooke Lopez in the beginning of games and just it being a complete mismatch in size with uh, uh, who do we start in game two? It was uh, Struess and Duncan. Duncan, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it was Struess and Duncan. Gabe, Jimmy, I mean, that that's pretty tough. So, you know, putting guards in that starting lineup like that, like having Duncan there, it doesn't allow Bam to play more free to, in the sense where defensively he can switch on to other players. Because once Bam switches off from Brooke Lopez, then you got Max Struess or Gabe Vincent on Brooke Lopez. Or, or on on Bobby Portis, like you're switching, and then it's just smaller guys on seven foot guys, and then a game later, Spolstra makes that adjustment to match the size and add a bigger body and put Kevin Love in there, and look at the difference. I mean, Brooke Lopez was held to six points on three of nine shooting. Bobby Portis was held to nine points. I mean, they have a huge offensive impact and that, that good, that stems from Spolstra recognizing and making those adjustments. Like, yeah, we need to beef up this starting lineup to match that size with, with Milwaukee. And it, it ended up working for the heat last night, making that switch. I think, they, I don't, I don't, I think Brooke, like you was on Lopez in game one. They weren't getting him touches. But you mean he's just like, you know you what? I'm going to play with fire. You mean he started on Lopez last night or game two? Game two. Yeah, game two. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and it was just like he wasn't getting switched on to him. Like there were multiple times where, I mean, there's cross matches and whatnot that just happens in a basketball game. But there were definitely times where Struce was guarding Lopez for an entire possession. And I'm pretty sure he started on Lopez because, again, in game one, he was on Lopez uh, I did he, see he some that, switches. I did see yeah. some switches where Gabe was on points. So. Yeah, like there were there were definitely possessions where that happened, but it was just like they weren't getting real touches in game one, which was like the funniest part about it. And it was just like, wait, yeah. what are you doing? Why aren't you taking advantage of this mismatch? And Sproles was like, you know, yeah. we're going to play with fire for two games in a row, and it definitely did not work. Yeah. Um, because, like, yeah, they were, they were generating a lot of points in, uh, in the paint and at the rim in game two, at least early in game two. And that's kind of where they uh, Miami began pinching a little bit. And they were, I mean, of course, obviously when off you go down at really every shot at that point uh, began to fall. And it was just like, it was just doomsday for Miami. Cause again, Milwaukee hit 25 threes, but yeah, no, like that adjustment last night was important. I mean, I think love started on Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, again, a big body. And Bam was kind of roaming off of Bobby Portis, which is a little bit of a dangerous game. I thought that was going to be inverted heading in, but it's just like, I mean, it, it worked fine. It didn't, I mean, again, the, the biggest thing about last night is the, not the biggest thing, but one of the bigger things was rebound. Um, in the yeah. second half. Yeah. Milwaukee was getting multiple offensive rebounds in bunches, um, especially long rebounds. And that was kind of like, they were getting, as I mentioned earlier, they were getting some open looks off that. Uh, but Miami held Milwaukee to one offensive rebound in the first half. And that one offensive rebound was like, I think like a Middleton offensive rebound. That was like a tip in or something like that. Like it wasn't like something super severe. Um, yeah. And yeah, Miami, and there was one possession where at the least Bucks, I think had five, five attempts to, to shoot a three in the second half. <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully right. they couldn't like, hit anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they just they they were not they they were not as sharp at all from the three point line in game two. I mean, like in game two, they couldn't miss. Right. They literally couldn't miss. And I feel like in game two, it was one of those nights where, regardless if there was you know a hand in the face or try to alter the shot, like they were just hitting everything in game two. Right. And then yeah. to come out in game three and you know miss open shots, like it was just like a completely different story from game two to game three with Milwaukee shooting. And I do feel like we should have expected that. I mean, like Milwaukee made a franchise record in threes in game two. I mean, like 
can they really keep that going throughout the series? Like just keep knocking down threes at that clip. Like I feel like at some point they, the shooting was going to have to realistically die down for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they also still shot. Like if you look back, they still shot 39% and they were a top 10, three point yeah. shooting. Yeah, team, I so mean, like, so solid, but yeah. you know, it wasn't, you know, like video game numbers, right. like how it right. was in, I thought I was watching an NBA 2K game watching game two. Like, they just couldn't right. miss. Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely, yeah. That's well, they, definitely, the, I think it was the yeah. final numbers were 25 and 49, something like that. It was just, which even felt like that's a, for the, for the, my math guys out there, that's a little over 50%. But mm-hmm. even then, it felt like it was like 25 of 26. Like, it, it just felt like they weren't missing. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Well, the Bucks shoot so I, well, and they're such a good team. Yeah, they're they're a title contender, and that's because uh, these players shoot well because their MVP candidate uh, attracts so much attention uh, when when yep. he has the ball. Uh, but he hasn't been playing in this series. Uh, uh, you know, the Heat Heat Nation is is so worried about about our injuries um, to, to their, our our players. But uh, how worried should should the Bucks fans be? about Giannis because uh l- listen I don't know I don't know about this injury report I think it's a little weird that the heat can be fined for not being very forthcoming about their injury report Giannis is listed as questionable I it, it looked more like doubtful but it never looked like he was going to play um is he going to play in this series or not and and I think Bucks fans have a right to be worried about it because obviously this team is going to be so different without without him in there um, what what do they do moving forward in this series? Does he play? Is he are they pressured to play him? Because I know they were thinking that they were going to be able to just take care of the Heat without without Giannis, and so maybe they were, um, you know, stashing him a little bit. Just you know, maybe he plays in the second round. Uh, yeah. It was a f- foregone conclusion that they would just beat the Heat. Is it that, or is Giannis maybe really actually injured? Seriously injured? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think he's injured. If he's, definitely yeah, injured. No, like, like really injured. I, or are they saving him a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Back to weird. Especially for a player of his size, because it's like, if it's in the right spot, like, it's hard to even, like, sit down and, like, get up. Like, it's difficult. I mean, of course, he was up and jumping around, Um, I think, in game two. Um, like, medical... I don't want to say medical history, but like what his medicals look like when it comes to his back right now. Uh, but I'm, I mean, it, they're in a weird spot. I, I don't, I think it would be if he's still like injured by game four, uh, I'm guessing Bud would be more inclined to play him. I'm not sure it would feel just irresponsible on their part. If he is like 70% and not playing or and playing like, I would just feel like an ill-advised move, but at the same time, like I'm not necessarily sure how healthy he is. I mean, again, as as uh, you and I discussed before the podcast, Syria, it's going to be every other day now, and so like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday, if it ultimately gets to a game seven, it's not two days rest um, like it was these first three games, and so. Milwaukee is in a little bit of a more tricky spot. And obviously Miami is too with Jimmy, but like Milwaukee's in a tricky, tr- tricky spot. Cause it's like, it, does Milwaukee want to risk going down three, one without Giannis heading into game five? If that's ultimately the case. But, but then again, like Milwaukee still should be able to, like, I don't even mean to be a negative Nancy here, or Debbie Downer or whatever word that you want to use, but it's like Milwaukee's still completely Milwaukee, I would argue, is a more talented team, even without Giannis, than Miami is, at least from, like, their third guy down. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Butler is the best player probably left if Giannis is out. But, like, they're still an incredibly talented team, and I've talked about this before. Like, I'm just from, like, a Miami, like, demeanor and disposition and, like, kind of, like, not a confidence standpoint, but, like, just from, like, their demeanor and disposition – I'm way more terrified, or at least it terrifies me more heading into a game if Giannis is out, isn't playing than if he is playing, only because I don't know how Miami's going to come out and respond to that. Because it's like, we yeah. saw them get a little bit complacent heading into game two. Hmm. And we've seen them time and time again 
be a little bit complacent when they play down to their competition. That's not You've always the case. I mean, Giannis, season, Giannis, I like. Giannis, is, Giannis has been – I mean, we saw what happened in 2021, two years ago. We saw what happened in the game – either the game or two that Giannis played in the regular season. Like, Milwaukee is obviously probably the best team in basketball when he does play. But just a part of me is, like, a little more terrified – of how of how Miami responds when Giannis isn't playing than when they are, and and I'm just going to say this right now: Milwaukee's going to play better in Game Four than they did in Game Three. I just think that's ultimately the case. That I don't know, might maybe Miami's better in Game Four than they are in Game Two, but it's just like Milwaukee's way too talented of a team to just mail it in. Whether it's Giannis playing or isn't playing, I'm not saying they will, but um, I can be convinced either like, way. This is still yeah. fine, but, but don't you think? I think, also he, will, that I think now... he will play at some point. Right, but do you think that – I mean, the the Heat are the underdogs, obviously. Even if they're up 2-1, don't you think now the pressure is really on the Bucks Because if they go down 3-1, I mean, they might be playing tight. But, you know, you can go, you can look at it either way, really. Is there such a thing as momentum in a series? Yeah. We really haven't seen that in this series, at least. Um, you really don't know how either of these teams are, are – you don't know which players are going to play for either team, and you don't know how either one of – uh, the, either team is going to play in the first quarter because that kind of seems to dictate how the game is going to go right from the beginning. Um, okay, but okay, yeah. okay. So, all right, we have some uh, late breaking news here. Uh, it looks like all right. So we have gonna, some good news. Say that. Yeah, it looks like uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is good to go for game. Okay, so Jimmy Butler yeah. and Caleb Martin. Uh, Caleb Martin apparently has some sort of shoulder injury. Uh, but Ira Winderman is saying that today yeah, he hit a, uh, is a, up a treatment day. Yeah. So, yeah, Spolster saying that this is more of like a treatment day than a practice day. But ultimately, both are good to go uh, for game four. So that is uh, uh, definitely good news. We still don't know about Victor Oladipo. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's a huge question mark. But I think, you know, I think I think we all know really what, what that's going to be. And certainly he's not going to be playing uh, on, yeah. on, on Monday. That, that for it, sure. it I, truthfully looks like a season-ending one. Yeah, it really yeah. did look like a season-ending injury, and it's, right. it's a shame because, like, you just you you know how much work and like effort the guy puts in, like to bounce back from multiple knee surgeries, and then just mm-hmm. to do all that work to get to this point. Tyler Hero goes down. You finally have an opportunity to step up and show. And then to play solid off the bench and get something going offensively like how he did yesterday just to go down with potentially another season-ending knee injury. I was was devastated not just feeling for myself as a fan, but I was just devastated for Vic, you know, just knowing how much the man really worked to get to this point in the season, this point in his career – it's right. it, it it was it was really painful watching that yesterday. And I, yeah. and if anyone knows Depot, knows how much of a good guy he is and the way even just being out of the rotation this year and the way he handled it being a true professional, I, I really feel like like he doesn't deserve this. And it's a shame. Yes. And and through it all it does. Yeah. Yeah. But this is this is kind of what the Miami Heat go through, right? Uh, this is kind of like, there's always these kind of, uh, twists and turns, peaks and valleys, uh, when it comes to the heat. But despite all of this, guys, let's not forget. And, and now with Jimmy Butler, that we know he's going to be playing, the Heat are a good, one good game away from making this a 3-1 series. The next game is at home. So through all of this, through all the injuries, um, the Heat really do have a a golden opportunity here. Uh, what's it going to take? Uh, knowing now that the Butler can play and 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 so will Caleb, um, Dan, what is it that the Heat need to do? Uh, is it just yeah? Of course, they could just come out and shoot threes and do what they did yesterday. But we know we just talked about it. We know the well, Bucks are going to come back stronger. It, it it needs to be a collective effort. So there needs to be those X factor kind of performances. We know what Jimmy's going to do offensively. We know he's gonna, you know, be the our leading guy. We know what Bam's gonna capable of doing. He's capable of being that second guy, and even if he's not scoring, he's gonna make an impact in rebounding and defense. 
but it's really up to this supporting cast. This supporting cast is much more important than people think. When the players like like Gabe, like Max Struess, like Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, uh, Duncan Robinson now, when there's players like that who are the, the X factors, if they can produce for this team, it just makes the team way better. Because you already know night in and night out things that you get from Jimmy and Bam, but it just goes from underneath Jimmy and Bam from there. What can the other guys give you? If you can get, you know, six, seven players in double digits, like how we got last night, that's going to put us in a pretty good position to win games. So I would expect the usual strong performances led by Jimmy and Bam, but we we need to see who's who's going to have that Duncan-type performance with contributing 20 points for the next game. Could it be... Could it be Gabe? Could it be, you know, Kevin Love, who had 18 and 8 in game one? Could it be him, his turn? So somebody in this supporting cast has to step up. And it's we've seen it be numerous different people. Like I said, it was Kevin Love that first game, uh, Caleb Martin in that, that first game too. And last night it was Duncan leading, being that main X-Factor kind of guy. But then you had other contributions from Caleb and Lowry and even Max Struess had a dozen points. And that that adds up too. The team scored 59 total bench points yesterday. So, I mean, that's pretty remarkable if, if you ask me, honestly. If, if you could get even halfway to that, you know, maybe 30 bench points. I mean, still pretty solid, but... I'm the next game. I'm gonna be X Factor player. It was Kevin Love in the first game. It was Duncan Robinson in the third game. I want to see who's gonna be that person in the next one. Matt, uh, final thoughts. Uh, floor is yours. My, I mean, well, yeah, Dan took kind of the words out of my mouth when it came to like the multiple contributions. But like, excuse my French, but the Miami Heat are going to play damn perfect basketball for the next 96 minutes or just 96 minutes in its entirety to win this series. I, I think I may, I don't know if I said this here or said this elsewhere, but before, like, even if Miami's up 3 0 in a series, they still have the best player on the planet on that team. And they still have probably the most complete team, in, complete team in basketball. Heading into this series, probably you, I, and everyone else thought Miami would lose in four or five games. Yeah. The Milwaukee can rattle off four straight or three straight wins. That's not an impossible task. They can, right. even if Miami's up 3 1 or whatever, like you have to close the job. Mm-hmm. And it's like Dan mentioned, like even half of like 59, like Miami probably will need 50 to 55 bench points along with the Jimmy Butler masterclass. Or masterclass is, um, along with Bam Adebayo, hopefully getting you 15 points. Along with Max Drews and Gabe Vincent knocking down a few threes. Like Miami is going to need every. They they are going to need to play perfect basketball because because guess what? They're only halfway there. They're halfway there, but you are halfway climbing up a steep, steep mountain. You are climbing up Mount Everest in order to beat this team. Like you are going to need to play perfect freaking basketball for for 96 minutes to beat this team two more times in a seven game series, especially if Giannis is playing. And so the job, if anyone out there thinks this series is close to being done, you're wrong because there's nowhere near this is done for both sides. And again, as I said, Milwaukee is the better and more complete team still, even without Giannis Miami responded to game three. Can they respond in game four? Can they respond in game five? We've seen it times and times this season when Miami takes two steps forward. Sometimes they take three steps backwards. You can't do that in a series like this against a team like this. You just can't. You can't do it. Um, No matter what. Like this team is really, 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 really good, even without Giannis. And not that doesn't that's not taking anything from Giannis because again, he's the best player on he's the best player on on the floor. He's the best player in the world. I would say he's an MVP candidate perennially. Like this guy is obviously really getting even 70% of Giannis is one of the best players on the planet. Um, even if he's not like, if he's not fully healthy, like this is a yeah. really steep mountain that Miami's climbing and 
like I looked, I talked about this a little bit with you, sir, before we hopped on. I was just like, in my head, I'm thinking like, how the hell is this team up 2-1 in a series against the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, yeah, we, right. we've seen them play two really good, <laughs> complete games in a series, but it's just like, wait, this team's up 2-1 in a series. Yeah, albeit without Giannis for 95% of it, but still, like, you are going to need to play a perfect basketball, whether he's on the floor or not, both offensively and defensively, on the glass. You need to win the 50-50 balls. Like, you need to do every single thing right, possibly, yeah. to have the best chance that at beating thing. this Bucks team. Because it's then, not going to be easy. At least these final Milwaukee has to win what three, three of the next four, four? <laughs> three of the next four. Yeah, that's feasible for them. But guess sure. what? Miami has one more win than them right now. Miami can win two out of the next four. All they need to do is go five hundred over this stretch. But again, going five hundred against this Bucks team is not an easy task. Not at all. And the next game is going to be super pivotal in the sense of. Can this Miami Heat team finally break through that 500 team that we've seen consistently all year long? You win one, you lose one. You win two, you lose two. Can they finally break through that and get two big wins in a row in round one of the NBA playoffs against the best team in the NBA? It's going to be really, really interesting to see because, like you said, we've seen this Heat team, you know, have – pretty encouraging performances like this. And then you think, oh, like, are the are the Miami Heat back? Are they, are, are they you know, getting it together? Are we going to, you know, now see the Miami Heat take off? And then they come out flat. And it's just, it's been like that frustrating rotation of winning and losing games all season long. Can they finally through in game four and, you know, get that, commanding 3-1 lead and put themselves in the strongest position possible because once they just break through this like rotation of winning and losing games if they can win game four I'm very confident that this series could be over in five I'm, I'm very confident even in Milwaukee going back for game five if they can just break through it for game four I see them you know just taking off from there You'd be way more confident than me, buddy. Like, even if Miami is up 3-1 in the series again, like, I just, I can't, they got Giannis. Like, I just can't, I can never roll Milwaukee out, especially if it's on their home floor. But, like, even that case, like, they've been consistently inconsistent all year. Like, I, I know. I've said this before. I they've been one of the most frustrating teams, not because we watch all 82, but because it's just frustrating just from like from watching this night in and night out that like they haven't turned a corner and it's just like that's the expression i was looking for like turning that yeah. corner like can they turn the corner right now i i really want to see yeah and it's just maybe, like maybe they have maybe they have we just don't know it maybe it just needs to manifest right now maybe and really mentally maybe. they've been yeah a, a playoff team that we just didn't know. We they just we they knew more than we did. That they'll turn it on when they needed to. Uh, we just assumed that they couldn't because they were always so inconsistent in doing that. But maybe in the seventieth seventieth game of a regular season, yeah, Jimmy's not as plugged in as he is right now, and that's all that that it takes for the Heat to become the dangerous team that we've seen before. This is this largely the same team, I guess, minus Tyler that was the number one seed and was so close to making the finals not that long ago, just a year ago. Yeah. So mm-hmm. right, but their their shooting is gonna need to their shooting is gonna need to remain where it was at in game three and in game well, I mean game one again they shot fifteen of twenty five from deep. Yeah. Like that again that's just not sustainable. But last night, sixteen of thirty three, forty eight and a half percent. But yeah, you're right. Like may, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, again, I'm a little bit more on like skeptical. I'm I'm a little more skeptical of like this. But it's like again, yeah. I know. I know. So yeah, series, you just have to make sure. Right, right. The, the Heat have play, the Heat don't have a player like like a Steph Curry, right? They can just any. You just expect them to to blow up. There are players on the Heat that are capable of that, like like Max. Uh, unfortunately, like Tyler as well. Um, but I don't think it's an accident that when the Heat shoot better, it's because they move the ball, they're shooting in stride, they're getting to their spots that are favorable for them. Now, when the, the Heat's offense is stagnant, 
and then just kind of dribbling around, wasting time on the shot clock, and then just chucking a long three. Those are the ones that don't go in. We know that. We've seen right. the heat enough times to know that, that there's a there's a method to getting good shots. The heat just for where, one reason or another, again, been inconsistent with that. But they can do it. They've shown it at least a little more consistently during this series. I mean, they, they're, they're the, I, I think they're the top ranked offensive team somehow in the postseason. Yeah. Um, After it's, everything it's, that really we've is. seen, they're the top and the most efficient. Yeah. Yeah. We did not think that was going to happen. Um, I think Bam led the team in assists, uh, with five. So it's not like, okay, that, you know, there's just, yeah. you know, just a top of the line point guard that the Heat have and he's just a, a, a magician on the court. The, the Heat don't have that. So it's going to have to be more of a grinded out kind of a game. Um, it's going to be an amazing game. Can't wait to see tomorrow what's going to happen. Uh, thank guys. Thank you for taking the time out, uh, on Sunday with this reaction. Uh, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. Um, and this is why, you know, with the play in, this is why the Heat are in it. This is why the Heat got in yeah. and are, are making the size. I think ultimately it's a good thing for the Heat, no matter how this postseason ends. Cause yes, they're lucky to be in there, but they've earned their way in there. And they're showing that they are a dangerous team, uh, regardless of what happens. Uh, guys, thank you again. Uh, how, how can we find you guys on social media? Uh, Dan, what is your handle on Instagram? My personal or like my fan page? So, yes, fan. Yeah. How, your heat centric page. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I run hot, hot, at hot, hot hoops on Instagram too, but my main fan page, which I kind of link it with hot, hot hoops is at bam underscore bio. All right, cool, cool. And Matt? <laughs> Um, if you want the worst tweets, the most annoying tweets, and the most tweets possible about the heat and other random dumb crap, follow me at mph underscore eight twenty four underscore. Um, and also, also follow the Hot Hot Hoops page. Um, I'll be annoyingly tweeting there too. Uh, but so I mean, if you want to mute, if you want to mute my normal account, you can. I probably advise everyone to. Um, but again, that that's my that's my. And I think it, I think it's cool how Matt is the Twitter guy and like I'm like the Instagram guy. Yeah, you guys you know, do a great job. Out. Yeah, you guys do an excellent job on social. I uh, always appreciate it. So yeah, fans, make sure you follow. Yes, Hot Out Hoops on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, make sure you're subscribing to us on Substack so you don't miss any articles. Uh, we're just rolling out more and more content every day. Uh, thanks again, guys, for for joining. Yeah, have a good rest of your Sunday, guys.